Good morning, everyone. I greet you in Jesus' name and invite you to uh, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter chapter 1. And I want to uh, begin reading at at verse 6. When they therefore were come together, this was out on Olivet, the little mountain, uh, Jesus with his disciples after the resurrection. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room. And we know that they spent time there in prayer and fellowship in that upper room until, um, uh, until Pentecost. And one thing that was very much, no doubt, on their minds uh, in those days and in the coming weeks and months was the thought of Jesus' return that he had promised. And they thought about his leaving and they probably could see him in their mind's eye still floating up into the the sky and and leaving them there on on the earth. And they thought about him teaching about his leaving and about his coming again. And uh, the Holy Spirit, no doubt, brought things to their minds. Jesus promised that the Spirit would do that. Turn with me to uh, Mark now, chapter 13, and where Jesus was, was teaching, <clears throat> or one place where he was teaching. Mark chapter 13, and this chapter is, um, is, he was talking about the end times, but I want to go to the uh, last part of the chapter, 
beginning at verse 32. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Now in this chapter, he had been giving the disciples signs of the coming of the destruction of Jerusalem and the end times. And and along with the dangers ahead, that there would be deceiving prophets and false Christs and so on. But reminding them, teaching them, that he would come again. And that he, the Son of Man, was, was as a man taking a, a long trip, a long journey, who had left behind his house, his, his household, his, uh, his home, his family. He had left behind him a group of people, not just Peter here and James there and John another place separately, but a family, a group of disciples. And at the time of his ascension, there were 500 plus gathered that, uh, in, that, in that room that was shortly going to become the church, the family of God. And the redeemed, we the redeemed, by the blood of the Lamb, are part of that, part of that group. And Jesus gave to them, Jesus gave to us responsibilities and work to do said in the uh, in the teaching there and he gave authority to his servants and to every man his work so there are personal goals that he gives us in the scriptures to work toward to uh, develop and grow spiritually each one of us to bear spiritual fruit, to produce, to be productive uh, spiritually, to become like Jesus, uh, become like the Beatitudes that he taught us in Matthew. So shall ye be like your Father in heaven. So there's a lot of personal goals that Jesus wants us to be giving attention to uh, as part of our homework. And also he gave to the disciples and to us responsibilities for one another, to love one another, to be generous to meeting needs uh, that each of us have, and to be servants, to forgive, to exhort, to rebuke, and and many more uh, responsibilities that we have for one another in the, in the brotherhood. And he also gave them and to us a mission to the lost, to people that were not disciples, 
and to work toward uh, bringing them into the kingdom. Ye are the light of the world, he said. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. And with the assignments, the homework that he has given us and, and the mission that he's given us, he also gave some cautions. He said, take heed, be on guard, pay attention, be careful. Don't live recklessly, indifferently, carelessly, but live soberly, seriously. And making, make the choices that will accomplish the goals and the work that Christ has for you. So take heed. And he said, watch, be alert, be awake, be aware of the reality around you. Uh, sleeping Christians don't take heed. I, I've never been, never done very well with driving long distances. Uh, I, I fight uh, sleepiness. And especially if it's uh, like an overnight trip, it's not, it doesn't go well. I can go for a while and then after a while I kind of start to fight sleep. And I, I remember one time coming home from uh, from Canada uh, one summer and we had driven uh, most of, a, of an afternoon and then all night and we were um, in Ohio on the turnpike somewhere in the dawn and I dozed off a little bit and I didn't know it. And... <clears throat> I woke up and here I had drifted to the left into the left lane and was coming up even with the back end of a trailer truck. And it just, if you've ever had an experience like that, you know how it startles you wide awake. It did me. I was very watchful for miles uh, after that. But that was one thing that Jesus said, watch, dozing Christians aren't watchful. There are different ways that we can be sleepy. Another thing he said in his teaching was to pray, plead to the Father for grace to be faithful to our callings and for protection from the snares and from the evil one, a grace for our taking heed and for our watching, for our spiritual sight and discernment, that we could see and be aware of the, of the true reality around us, uh, so around our situations and our needs, and, and certainly it is only with prayer as we can see those things. I'd like to think for a few minutes about things that we should be taking heed to and watching for and about. One thing that we should watch is the sky. And by that I mean that we're thinking about Jesus leaving 
and Jesus coming. And remembering that, you know, our time here and the time that we have for the assignments that he's given us and the work that he's given us is not long. And life as we know it is going to change. It's not going to stay this way. Life the way it is, is temporary. And we need to remember the angel's words. Ye men of Galilee, why are you watching heaven? The same Jesus is coming back just the way you saw him go. And so we need to uh, have an expectancy and we need to uh, cultivate and even guard that expectancy. The master is coming back. We have work to do. The master is coming back. And we will face him when he comes. Or our lives will end here. The focus here in the scripture we read was his return. But our lives will end here, may end here before his return, and we face him. And I've been reminded of that uh, several times just in the last, um, just in the, in the past few days. Uh, John D. Kurtz, um, he's, um, he was from Massachusetts, and he is part of the Five Loaves Ministry, 62 years old, um, died the other evening. He... Uh, was very active in the in a mission work in Hong Kong and with Grace Press and their work in in uh, Eastern Europe and and former Russia uh, Soviet uh, uh, countries and he's gone I only met him once I corresponded with him a number of times but was really impressed with his his life and his burden but he's gone and Mary Leatherman died the other evening, and she, uh, or the other night, she was a, a sister who worked there at Poplar Hill while, while Martha and I were there. Uh, she worked there maybe a dozen years or more. And she's the third staff that was there at Poplar while we were there to, to die in the last six months. And Enos Heedwell, many of you know, Enos, who Enos Heatwell is, his widow uh, passed away just uh, yesterday, I think, or just very recently anyway. But, you know, it just reminds me how quickly life passes and how the end comes. But we can be dulled to that reality of life ending or life changing, of life of, of Jesus coming back just because time keeps on and we sort of have this lazy idea that it'll keep on a while longer even though we know the reality we know the truth we just don't expect it right now but it will end for us we don't know when the time is, he said in verse 33. 
Or in verse 35, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh at even or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning, the Roman night watches. So watch lest he find you sleeping and lest he find you with little progress done in your homework toward the goals that matter. And keep in mind that there will be an accounting for our faithfulness. He knows how we're doing right now, of course, but there will be an accounting for our faithfulness. And that isn't told to us to frighten us. It is to make us be serious, to make us be sober, but he is not a tyrant coming home who beats his servants at every shortcoming. He's a loving master, but he is a master and he will be a judge. We love him, don't we? We want to please him, don't we? And for our goals and for our work to be accomplished, we need to be faithful every day in the opportunities that we have to grow and to serve and to reach out. And it takes commitment, it takes diligence. And he said, take ye heed, watch and pray. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. So we watch, we look up. We also watch the earth. And we, we need to weigh, we need to consider our relation to the earth and the things here of the, of the earth. And our Sunday school lesson, Life Under the Sun. You know, Solomon was a, a man who, uh, whose, whose focus changed from God to earth and to finding all the things that he thought would be fulfilling here. Turn to uh, Luke 14, and we'll look at another teaching of Jesus. Luke 14, beginning at verse 16. <clears throat> Luke 14, beginning at verse 16. And then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden or invited, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things, and then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. Jesus teaching here in this parable was that people were too absorbed and too taken up with earthly things to heed the call to salvation 
the invitation to the kingdom. But, you know, this, this parable could also illustrate uh, the lives of Christians who become earthly-minded, too busy with earthly things to do the homework given to them by the Master. Possessions, pursuits, lands and oxen, friends and good times, Many other possibilities take up a lot of their time, most of their time and their thoughts. They could even become obsessed with them. Could even come to the point that their idolatry, that their idols, something loved more than God and looked to for happiness or security. And the personal goals, the personal assignments that Jesus gave are neglected or ignored. The watch and care for others, largely forgotten. The great mission doesn't happen. That's for other people. Someone else's job. Jesus taught that we're to be in the world but not of the world. There is a way that we can live in the world, but uh, live lightly on the earth. A, a German wrote a book many years ago, back in the 1600s, Johann Arndt, A-R-N-D-T. Gary, you might want to look him up. Uh, True Christianity is, uh, the, was the name of the book, in, if you say it in English. But it had an illustration in the book of a, of a ball, a cannonball, just uh, sitting on the ground. And he used that as an illustration to show that it sits there balanced, just sitting there. It can be rolled around. It's, it's comfortable in, in any position there on the ground, but only a very small part of it touches the earth. And he said that that's the way it is with a true Christian, that no matter where he comes to rest, he keeps his balance and his contact with the earth is his smallest concern and he lives surrounded by the things above the earth. That's a pretty good illustration. And I was thinking about icebergs in comparison. The great bulk of an iceberg is submerged in the water. Uh, so I understand. I think if I remember right, I learned in school that only about a tenth of, of an iceberg is above the water and nine-tenths is underneath. So a tenth of it is exposed to the light and the air of heavenly things, and the rest of it down in the waters of the earth. We would rather be a beach ball, wouldn't we? Resting on the water, up in the air, and just a very small part there on the on the, uh, on the water. 
This I say then, brethren, this is Paul writing in 1 Corinthians 7, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none, and they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoiced not, and they that buy as though they possessed it not, and they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passeth away. The, the current form of the world, the earth, is going to pass away. And what he's describing is a ball on the earth, just a small part touch, touching the, the earth. And the rest is in the heavenly air. So what does that mean? Uh, we talked about that a little in our Sunday school class, and it's, a, it's an important question. Does it mean that we have things all reversed and we should be having devotions for eight hours a day and, and then just do a half hour maybe or hour or whatever devotional time you have on your work to earn your groceries as was mentioned in our class? We... Most of us will need to put in more time than that into our daily work and getting our work done. But there is a way. There is a way that we can have enough focused devotional time, time with the Lord, to enrich and feed and strengthen us and that we would be uh, blessed and filled by the Spirit that we can do our work as a disciple of Jesus, even those eight hours or nine or whatever the hours of labor are. In Matthew 24, Jesus describes the end times as including normal activities, earthly activities. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Those working in the field, those grinding in the mill, their work was the same. Tilling, planting, harvesting, dumping the grain into the grinder, turning the grinding wheel or leading an ox around that was turning the mill, both of them were following similar methods, doing their work in the same way, but something was different. The one was taken and the other was left by himself. Two of the four were looking down at the earth. They were icebergs. They were absorbed by the soil and the grain with production, with profit. And they worked with the soil and the grain. 
But they were looking for personal gain and comfort. They were their own master. Maybe they had become slaves to their farm or to their mill. The other two were looking up and their hearts were first on the things of God. They worked with the soil and the grain, but it, but it wasn't their first love. Production and profit are part of being a responsible steward, but not for selfish satisfaction, but for how can I help others? How can I help those in need? It was part of their kingdom mission and their earthly work was not their master. They had learned like Paul did in whatsoever work or earthly calling they were in, they were content and they could go as Christ's bondservant. They could go with a prayer in their heart and with praise on their lips. I am serving the master and my goal is to finish my homework and to finish his mission and further his cause. In Luke 12, Jesus said, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And a little later in the chapter, he said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding. That when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. The heart follows the treasure. So what is our treasure? Earth or heaven? Where will we end up? There are other things to uh, watch for. We, uh, we should watch our, the way we respond to, to situations, to trying circumstances. In Mark, Jesus said, watch ye and pray, in Mark 14, watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. Uh, sometimes people become disheartened by hard things and they become fearful, they become frustrated, they become angry, they become bitter. I was reading recently about the prodigal son and the elder brother, and we think of the prodigal son as the bad boy, and he was. But that elder brother, uh, there was something, though he was doing right things and, and was looked upon, I'm sure, by his dad as a better son while the prodigal was gone, and by the servants of the house as the good son, he was, a resent, he was filled with resentment and it seemed like jealousy and bitterness. It was not, not good. And there at the, uh, at the uh, 
at that feast of celebration, the returned prodigal was in a lot better shape than his older brother that stayed outside. Paul had a thorn in the flesh that could have been very discouraging to him, but he learned a lesson from it. And he learned what, what God wanted him to learn from that lesson. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul wrote in Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, verse 5, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions. The hard things that come, they're, they're a test, they're a trial, and we can react to them and, and respond uh, in wrong ways that uh, are to our harm instead of blessing. We could uh, look in Hebrews 12 where it teaches about chastening and it says that it isn't, it isn't fun. He just lays it out like it is and like we know it. It's not enjoyable. Uh, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. If we learn the lesson, learn we're exercised as we make the, uh, it's an exercise that gain, we gain strength from taking this exercise. By making the wrong, the right choice, we, we gain the strength and the blessing. We need to watch for the inroads of sin. We could talk about that. We need to watch our brothers and sisters. We could talk about that and see how they're doing. Yes, we're to look for ourselves first and after ourselves. But we also have obligations for one another. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, it says. In conclusion, therefore, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 6, therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. Let's look up. Let's remember that Jesus is coming again. Life like it is is going to change. Let's watch the earth. 
Let's watch how we relate to the earth. Let's not be too tied to the earth. Let's sit here like that ball, just touching the earth lightly. Watch our responses. Let's watch our responses to trying circumstances. Watch for inroads of sin and watch for each other. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. And what I say unto you, Jesus said, I say unto all, watch. Watch. 